This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast that aims to focus in on all aspects of the England team. Generally, it's all good news. We are quite fortunate on that front. Uh, But on occasions, we get our wrists slapped. And we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, but just first, let's, uh, I just want to say thank you for all the kind words and feedback on recent episodes. Always great to hear from you. All previous episodes are available to download, stream, uh, listen to. You can even watch them uh, on the likes of YouTube. Uh, basically, however you consume them at your chosen podcast provider. Just search Three Lions Podcast uh, or it is on threelionspodcast.com. And of course, all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, again, just search Three Lions Podcast. Now, on to this episode. It's no secret that England have had issues with supporters over the years. The 70s, the 80s, the early 90s saw a certain type of supporter, in inverted commas, uh, causing havoc across European shores There's books, there's documentaries, there's even podcasts that document that, if that is your thing. Thankfully, from an England perspective, things have gotten a lot better. And this is thanks to the likes of the England supporters, Travel Club, Members Club, and also various fan groups that follow our national team. However, as we know, sadly, any trouble, it's still not totally eradicated. But back in the 70s and 80s, it was a little before my time with regards to physically following England. I remember some of the the early 80s and sort of mid 80s trouble being documented on the news. Uh, But even then, I don't think that the English FA were ever really punished by the footballing authorities, even after there was there was massive troubles in the likes of Luxembourg, I think, in the 70s and 80s. Then there was Euro 88, where there was a considerable amount of trouble. But I think it was only the fans who received sort of fines and prison sentences. It was never really the FA, as far as I'm aware. Then at the turn of the century, Euro 2000 happened. There was mass trouble in Belgium. Of course, this had followed the World Cup trouble down in Marseille in 98. But the early 2000s, saw particular trouble with Turkey and Turkish fans. Of course, this was stemmed by the deaths of two Leeds fans, and then there was trouble at Arsenal's UEFA Cup final. Both of those involved Galatasaray fans. And the bad blood with Turkey spilled over when England were drawn with them in Euro 2004 qualifiers. In a match played at Sunderland Stadium of Light in April 2003... It was a 2-0 win for England, but despite that, fans invaded the pitch. There were racist chants heard from the stands, and this resulted in a £70,000 fine for England and the FA, coming from UEFA.
the stadium of life. David Beckham yet again, their inspiration. Meantime, one or two fans have run onto the pitch, and I saw Alpine lashing out with his boot at one of them. That night, there was trouble outside the ground and around the city centre. Uh, according to the Chronicle Live, a newspaper for the North East, 95 arrests were made. Uh, this was a combination of localised fighting and an attempted attack on a supporters' bus with Turkish fans on. The problems when England met Turkey and an hour before kick-off, the problems were mounting outside the stadium. It soon became obvious that large numbers of hooligans had arranged to confront the Turkish fans as they arrived for the game. Hundreds of them taunting and shouting obscene racist chants. Horses and dogs joined around a thousand officers on duty last night and inevitably a number of people were hurt, although no one was seriously injured. Police say there were many known hooligans among the 95 arrests in total, most of them away from the ground. And following that, there was talk of England's next home game which was due to be played at Middlesbrough's Riverside, that was against Slovakia, there was talk of that being played behind closed doors, possibly one of the first times that behind closed doors has been associated with England. But that never materialised, and neither did the threat from UEFA, which said England would be excluded from Euro 2004 if any more trouble was witnessed. In fact, the away match with Slovakia which was played in Bratislava in October 2002, uh, there was trouble there and the FA had been punished with a £9,000 fine. Now, following that trouble in Sunderland, in an attempt to disrupt any further trouble, the FA declined to take any away tickets for the following away games against Macedonia in September and Turkey in October of 2003. Now with regards to Macedonia, which would have been our first away trip there, the FA bought 2,500 tickets and distributed them to local children through the British Embassy there. And this was a ploy to try and stop black market tickets becoming available. And police checks were put in place to try and stop fans travelling out of England. But a few did succeed in getting there going via various routes in the Balkans. Those that did manage to get in witnessed England winning by two goals to one, thanks to goals from Sol Campbell and David Beckham. The Turkey game in October 2003, again, supposedly with no England fans. This was played in Istanbul and was nil-nil. Many attempted to travel. In fact, 45 were turned away at the Turkish border, Apparently three were turned away at the turnstiles. According to Reuters, they were wearing Turkish football shirts. But like Macedonia, a few managed to get through and quietly support the boys over there. Then, more recently, there was the punishment dished out for the laser pen incident at Wembley during Euro 2020 in 2021. As many will remember, as Harry Kane stepped up to take the penalty... Some pillock from the stands shone a laser pen in the direction of Denmark's goalkeeper, Kasper Smeichel. UEFA fined the FA €30,000, which equated to £25,630 for this, which also included the booing of national anthems and setting off of fireworks. The disruption of national anthems is really something that does need to be worked on, 
because that wasn't the first time we've been fined for that. Remember the Bulgaria away game in 2019? The one where their ultras caused havoc and Tyrone Mings heard the, heard the racist chanting. Well, we were actually fined £4,300 for causing disturbances during the Bulgarian anthem. And then that brings us to this latest punishment. We talk behind closed doors. And we'll come to that latest development in a moment. So that first mention of behind closed doors was back in 2003. And it took until 2018 before England played their first competitive official game behind closed doors with no supporters in attendance. Despite all the history, this was nothing to do with England. Away in Croatia in a Nations League group game, they were being punished because of an incident relating to a swastika being burnt into the grass ahead of a Euro 2016 qualifier against Italy in June 2015. Yes, it took three years for the punishment to come into effect and we, as England fans, were the victims. Result-wise, again, it ended nil-nil, but it didn't stop many England fans from travelling. They stood high up on the hill watching from afar. Game not great, atmosphere awful. It's difficult, isn't it, playing behind closed doors? Yes, it's a rap on the knuckles for Croatia. They've had plenty of those before, but everyone else suffers. So there are 500 England fans mm. who've paid their passage to Rijeka for the game before the announcement is made that the game's going to be behind closed doors. They then find a perch on a hill overlooking the stadium and the security staff move them away from that. And then COVID happened and we became used to the terminology behind closed doors. England fans lost 11 games to the pandemic, seven at home and four away. That little list of behind closed doors games for England, as I say, the Croatia game was in October 2018. As I say, then COVID happened. That first one away in Iceland when England won 1-0 in the Nations League, followed quickly by an away game with Denmark and 0-0 in the Nations League. October 2020, England beat Wales 3-0 in a friendly. Followed that up with a win against Belgium 2-1 in the Nations League. We then lost at home to Denmark in the Nations League. We moved into November of 2020. We beat Republic of Ireland 3-0 in a friendly. We then lost away to Belgium 2-0 in the Nations League. Then we played Iceland at home winning 4-0 again, Nations League. And then we moved on to three games in 2021, March 2021. We beat San Marino 5-0 at home, Albania away 2-0, and then we beat Poland 2-1 at home, all in March 2021, all in World Cup qualifiers. So including that Croatia game, they played 12, won 8, drew 2, lost 2. And with results like that, you could argue that we're not generally affected by playing without a crowd. We only lost at home to Denmark and away to Belgium. And that brings us to the latest incident. On Monday, the 18th of October, UEFA issued their punishment to the FA and England in relation to the scenes witnessed and felt by many following the Euro 2020 final in July of this year. Of course, held at Wembley between England and Italy. And that punishment is twofold and it is as follows. Number one, 
to order the English Football Association to play its next two UEFA competition matches as host association behind closed doors. The second of which is suspended for a probationary period of two years from the date of the present decision. And this is for the lack of order and discipline inside and around the stadium. And then point two, to fine the English Football Association €100,000 for the lack of order and discipline inside and around the stadium, for the invasion of the field of play, for throwing of objects and for the disturbances during the national anthems. So this is the uh, it's pretty much the first time England have felt the full weight of a uh, of a UEFA dressing down, and here to have a chat about it is uh, our good friend of the show, Dom Smith from EnglandFootball.org. Dom, hello there, you're right. Very good, and yourself? Yes, yeah, all good. Let's have a chat about or just a a reaction to this this ban. My personal or my initial thoughts were it was no surprise really. There, there was always going to be a a punishment coming it was just going to be how big it was going to be who it was going to affect and and really who who is sort of directly responsible and and it should affect um but we'll we'll get on to that but what what are your initial thoughts on it i'd agree that it's inevitable really i think it would be double standards for um uefa not to punish the english football association when when so many other football associations have been punished whose national teams have faced England over the last few years, especially under Gareth Southgate, for um, for things like abhorrent racist abuse and crowd trouble as well. But but racist abuse seems to be the, the, the main one um, that's, that's affected England in recent uh, years, certainly. Now, th- th- this was perhaps not, not that or not in the majority that, but it was unacceptable. And it was at the final, it was at the showpiece. I mean, that there isn't a bigger game on UEFA's cal- you know, two, four-year calendar than the European Championships final. There also isn't a better stadium, really. I wouldn't say well, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is, is quite nice looking, but it's not, you know, it's not as big and as famous as Wembley by any means. There isn't a bigger and more important stadium in Europe than, than Wembley. So the idea that that would happen, you know, what did the, the, um, the, the gross understaffing um, of uh, of security, the um, the drunkenness on the day, which which started so early on and caused so many issues, so much abuse, so much um, fighting, and of course uh, breaking into the ground, large groups of people breaking into the ground. Which, uh, when you look back, you you, you realise how many times in, in your lifetime are England going to get to a final? Once, twice, maybe. You can understand why it happened, but you can't understand individually why those people did it and did it in such a neglectful and uh, disrespectful and uh, you know offensive way um it caused such trouble and it's right that we've been punished the question now is is it right that the fa have been punished because they themselves didn't didn't do it but they were in charge of putting provisions in place for, you know for for uh, for the england side and also you can't realistically expect uefa or anyone else to individually find who is culpable of the general public that that's just not realistic so it comes to the english fa and you know quite right if uh, other football associations have been receiving these these fines and and uh, bans in terms of uh, their home crowd going to home games well, why should england not it's it's only fair 
Yeah, no, you're right. And and looking back on on that final, it's something I've I've said before, and and many others will. It it just sort of soured the it soured the whole day, along with the result as well. But yeah, the 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 idea that we as fans have been punished because that that is the the ultimate sort of punishment that the supporters will not get access to one particular game next June it's looking likely to be in the in the Nations League and I think we ought to just emphasize that I think immediately there was a sort of a knee-jerk reaction that a lot of supporters were going to say and it's it's going to be the Albania game Um, but I do have to make the um, the division between a FIFA game which is the World Cup qualifiers which is the Albania and the forthcoming San Marino game um, they are under a FIFA jurisdiction whereas this is a UEFA ban uh, and I think for a competitive game is so our next competitive game will be the Nations League game. So it'll be the first one uh, in June of next year, of which we don't know the opponents as yet. But we we are as fans the ones that will ultimately be be punished. Um, whereas you, you look at it and you think, oh, perhaps that. I mean, Wembley. There was talk about them holding back on sort of resources for stewards and and not perhaps enforcing that as much as they should or they'd made cuts. Um, there's the police as well that, I mean, I remember on the day that the police presence just wasn't there as much as it really should have been. And, yeah, just if the stadium, if Wembley as, as a stadium, I believe, was under, as far as I'm aware, was under a UEFA mm. sort of ownership for this, which is why they, we had friendlies up at Middlesbrough because the stadium was under use by UEFA then surely UEFA have to take a look at themselves do they uh, I think that's fair to be honest um <clears throat> but UEFA are not going to punish themselves well no um, but they need to have a look at themselves don't they they do but there's no one above UEFA to to punish them you know <laughs> Because, as you say, it was under their control, Wembley at the time, and it, and so therefore it was while it was under their control that this that this trouble was allowed to happen. What you say about the fans is interesting as well. You're right in the sense that it's punishing the wrong people because m- many of the fans, the vast majority of them, um, you know, didn't cause this trouble, won't have caused this trouble, and, and were never going to. And many of the of the people who did um, will go to very few England games, probably, you know, at, at all, and, and wanted to be there because it's a historic occasion only, and completely spoiled the party and up, uh, upheld the reputation that English football fans are a mob and that they're not to be trusted, and that you should, uh, you know, you should close your quaint bars and cafes when uh, when they're around because they'll um, they'll trash them. Mm. Uh, you know, that didn't do England's reputation any good at all but all i'd say about that is uh, you know if if you maybe decrease the capacity or something who's to say that one of the main perpetrators um culpable for it doesn't find themselves in again and then and then isn't punished so there isn't an appropriate punishment unless you get forensic about what every single person on that day has done and there's no way that cctv could cover all of it so sadly someone at some point has to find a punishment. It's going to be UEFA. It's clearly not going to be on themselves. And so it's going to be on the FA and therefore the fans will feel the force more than anything else. But also England will get, will have to play two games behind closed doors. One 
you know, their very next uh, UEFA match and then another within the next two years. Um, I think of the FA's choosing, it's, uh, it's kind of suspended. Yes, but I mean, initially it's just the one game. Yeah. And then if any other trouble occurs, then that's that game will come in, is, is my understanding. Right, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't know that bit, okay. No, that that is that's the way I interpret it. That we've got the definite one game ban, and then that suspended period. If, for argument's sake, more trouble was to occur, then UEFA would say, right now, our next punishment for that trouble is this suspended second game is going to kick in as and when within that two year period. But I mean, you mentioned the sort of CCTV. The police, or I guess it was the Metropolitan Police, put out a lot of was it. E fits or, or pictures of of people, um, and we never know whether sort of those people were caught. Um, there was also the the guys that filmed themselves on social media breaking into um, into Wembley and and sort of posted it up. And were they ever caught? I know there was the the steward. Uh, the Wembley steward who sold his, uh, I think it was his wristband or something, uh, and I think he was fined about four and a half grand and, and obviously lost his job, quite rightly so. But that he's been punished. But, yeah, it's as as England supporters, especially travel club members, and, and I'm one of those, and there were, I think there's about 17,000 others. As a, a travel club member, you have to submit um, your passport details and, and various other if you've got any misdemeanours um, in your past relating to football, that has to sort of go through a vetting process, as um, the supporters club have told us before. And as you say, we're not the ones going to cause the trouble. And again, it's it's like, oh, it's, it's so so frustrating that um, that UEFA have come down on supporters like that. Yeah, I can see that it's irritating for the fans. And um, to be honest, it, it it does come back to that thing of there isn't a perfect punishment that will get right to the to the problem unless we get you know um forensic about it as you've said i mean filming yourself breaking into wembley what a way to hand yourself in of course but no one knows whether that's been uh, furthered by the police yeah. um no no one knows that um and we won't know because <clears throat> you know it frankly it's no longer newsworthy when there are when there are football fans who have racially abused players and then they end up um, in prison or being arrested, that makes the news because that is newsworthy and it, and it's a con- it's a continuing subject and quite rightly so. The Euros final, you know, it's only newsworthy now because of the ban. But you know, the the odd fan here and there being arrested, I don't think we'll hear about that, and so I don't think we'll know whether whether the police are you know doing their job or not, or whether they even see it as a as a worthwhile job to do. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Um, I mean, I guess with so many cuts in in the police yes it is what you say there is is right the the fa released a a statement obviously um mention it they were disappointed with the verdict to acknowledge the outcome of this uefa decision so it appears they're not going to appeal it uh, we condemn the terrible behavior of the individuals who caused the disgraceful scenes in and around wembley at the uefa final and we deeply regret that some of them were able to enter the stadium we are determined that this can never be repeated, so we have commissioned an independent review led by Baroness Casey, which I remember hearing about before, um, to report on the circumstances involved. So that's that's still to to come out, um, and we'll we'll find out about that. But uh, hundred thousand euros, it sounds a lot, 
but in in reality i think it's what was it eighty four thousand pounds which to the fa is i don't want to say a drop in the ocean but it's it's not a huge amount is it going to be a deterrent what can they put in place to make sure this sort of thing doesn't happen again i i think it's one of those where the the ban is irritating the stadium ban is irritating and that will i think that would um invoke action do i think that about a hundred you know a hundred euro a hundred thousand euro fine no i don't that's going to do nothing to be honest they're they're either going to put more provisions in place next time or not uh, whether or whether not they've been fined a hundred thousand euros um it's it's not the kind of amount of money that that's going to it's going to impact anything and it's just you know uefa you know earning their uh earning their keep to be honest so uh I don't really understand what that's going to do. I think the ban is more so because uh, you know the FA is a is an organisation, but it's also you know trying to earn its money, try, you know, for profit, and uh, needs England fans to be at, at stadiums and uh, and can't profit from them being in the first UEFA Nations League home game now because of what's happened uh, in the final. Uh, we were talking about uh, earlier who really is to blame for this and who should be punished and. And, and that that's a side topic, but um, yeah. certainly I think the stadium ban will will do more than the fine by a it's, long way. It's just, I guess, more a, a blot on their their copybook, isn't it? The 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 financial impact that they'll take for for not having fans in the stadium. I don't quite know how much that actually equates to, but I mean, surely the they'll sort of recoup a lot of that through selling the rights to TV companies. Um, for for rights to have the game on the telly, surely. Yeah, well, we know that the uh, that football is a is a TV sport more than it's a spectator sport now, and um, you're probably right. The t- the TV will be that that would be the thing that would kill them, wouldn't it? If mm. they couldn't sell the uh, the TV rights, not not if they couldn't uh, fill Wembley for a game that wouldn't be full anyway. Um, but but it will still it will still deter them because it doesn't look good, you know. Yeah. When, it, when it comes to the end of the night and uh, you're going around the highlights of, of of all of the games in Europe for people to look at Wembley Stadium empty, or, or maybe maybe they'll decide it's not Wembley Stadium. I'm sure it will be. Um, it's just not a good look. People will say why, and and the idea that that England, who you know as a country has has tried to be you know tried to take the moral high ground quite a lot in recent months, actually in terms of the the abuse um, home and away against Hungary for example I think it I think it it makes England feel better as a nation to uh not the England team I'm not on about the England team the, the nation I think it makes them feel better to, to to talk about how this wouldn't happen in their own country but it has and we're going to have to deal with it yeah well just uh, something that always sort of doesn't marry up to me are are UEFA's fines they always seem a little bit disjointed and I don't know punishments don't seem to sort of fit fit the crime and and how they'll deal with it going forward I don't know Uh, but you mentioned the Hungary game recently although that was under the the FIFA banner they were fined 160,000 pounds for their for the racist chanting and and we know they've already got stadium bans uh, already in place but going on UEFA's fines um, I've got a little list here of of some of them. You may remember 2019, we had the away game in Bulgaria. Again, unfortunately, racist chanting. Bulgaria, they were fined £73,000 
uh, for that, which obviously included the, the chanting. There was throwing of objects and, and national anthem disturbances. They got a stadium ban thrown in two. Previous to that, same year, I think it was, away in Montenegro, more racist chanting. You may remember the one where uh, Raheem Sterling cupped his ears to the fans. Uh, he was subject to that, unfortunately. Montenegro as an FA were fined only £17,000. This is a good one. 2018, Champions League game, uh, obviously UEFA. Uh, it was between Turkish side Besiktas and Bayern Munich. Um, I say in 2018, a cat wandered onto the pitch. How much do you think the Turkish side were fined for that? Oh, I don't even want to guess. I don't even want to know. Go on. £30,000 um, for a cat. Uh, wandering onto the pitch and then uh, one other one I found going back to 2012 and I think this may have this was either in the Euro finals or a um, a qualifying game for it Nicholas Bentner uh, of Denmark I think he scored yeah, uh, yeah Paddy Pan Paddy Power I think it was uh, logo on his pants £80,000 fine for that one yeah. they're just the fines are so disjointed that they, they don't make sense to me. No, it's like some idiot is sat up in an office somewhere typing in random numbers and clicking send. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to disagree with your point. I, th- I think that's ridiculous. A cat more than racist abuse. I mean, come on. It's, yeah, unbelievable. Um, but yeah, hopefully things will, from an, from an English point of view, we, we won't be subject to that second suspended mm. game uh, if everyone behaves themselves, which I, I thoroughly believe everyone will. But yeah, it's it's not a particularly good time for the for the English FA off the pitch. Uh, but fortunately, on the pitch, things are things are looking good. Um, obviously, you are you're you're still writing for EnglandFootball.org. General thoughts following the the previous um, World Cup qualifier games, and just looking forward to the to the next ones. Yeah, I think it's probably a matter of time before England qualify. I think it. I think we've known that ever since you know day dot. Really, it's a it's a pretty easy group, although England have dropped points against the two um, the two closest challengers to them. Although, to be fair, Albania I think are, are higher than Hungary at the moment, but you know they're not generally a better side. Uh, and England will need to look at themselves as to why they will have looked at themselves as to why they didn't win in Poland when they were winning in, up to the ninety second minute. But but also the game against Hungary, they were just off the pace. Every player was. Uh, you know, was slightly uh, off the boil. And actually, I managed to speak to um, uh, to Tyrone Mings after right. the game, who was obviously deputising for um, Harry Maguire, who's injured, um, or was injured at the time. And I asked him whether um, whether it was, a, it, it was a case where England hadn't won and, and Hungary had got the draw because Gareth Southgate had picked a slightly more attacking team. Because if you remember, he picked, you know, that, that extra attacking midfielder and he wasn't having any of that. You know, Tyrone Mings basically said, I think we were just all below par as individuals. And sometimes that will happen. And we drew with a team that are worse than us as a result. And I think that's probably just about right. And um any of the feature articles I've read um, on the game since were, were explaining, you know, we're agreeing with that really and saying this isn't a reason to uh, to ditch a more attacking lineup. You know, qualifiers against reasonable opposition are a perfect time to try new stuff. Trying trying new stuff against Andorra and San Marino is pointless, but trying it in the quarterfinal of a World Cup is also pointless. <laughs> so um, I tend to agree with that. England are going to qualify. They should beat Albania, Christ, and they should beat San Marino as well. 
and um, they'll be off to the World Cup and that's when the hard work starts. Make sure that the Nations League uh, is used to um, to benefit you know, a good World Cup campaign. The Nations League, would it would be great if England could get to the finals of that again and, and win it, but that's not the priority and, and, and Gareth Southgate in England will know that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one other thing that I know you've been writing about and, and speaking with is is the Lionesses. They've got a game coming up at Wembley against Northern Ireland this weekend. You, you've obviously keeping in touch with them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really enjoying covering the Lionesses at the moment. They're, they're a team in transition, of course, both in terms of manager and in terms of, you know, a really exciting young crop of, of, of players coming through and, and breaking in. And um, their group is phenomenally easy. You know, uh, they've, of course, got a, a Euros on home soil um, next summer, but qualifying weirdly for the following tournament, the World Cup is, is, is in you know, process now, which is so weird, really. But um, yeah, the group is incredible. I mean, they've played two games. They won 8-0 and 10-0. Northern Ireland, they beat 6-0 in a friendly under their previous interim manager, Hegarisa, in uh, February, I think. Yeah, it's February, March time. I remember watching that. It was a hell of a windy day, that one. <laughs> it really was, yeah. I don't think it'll be quite that um, simple this time round, but, you know, in- England should cruise to um, to qualify. And to be honest, I think they'll be disappointed if they don't win every single one of their qualifiers. So it's an exciting time to, for both teams, really. Good stuff. And, and as always, we can we can find you on englandfootball.org and on, you're on Twitter, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Englandfootball.org is the website and Twitter is at Mr. Dom Smith. Always good to speak to you, Dom. Um, yeah, take care and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Perfect. Although not at the First Nations League game. <laughs> no, uh, no. Oh, I don't rub it in. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Cheers. Thanks to Dom there. As we mentioned, you can catch up with all his musings at englandfootball.org. He's also Twitter at Mr. Dom Smith. And we will undoubtedly speak with him again soon. Thank you as always for tuning in. As I mentioned at the beginning, the show can be found on all the usual social media channels and podcast platforms. Just search Three Lions Podcast. Now, I did mention earlier on in the show about those Macedonia and Turkey away games back in 2003 the ones where supposedly no England fans were in attendance. We know some slipped through the net. Were you one of them? Or do you know someone who did? Drop me a line. Would be great to hear those stories, how they managed it. Share those memories. Go on, it'd be a great one. Uh, email me, threelionspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or as I say, via the socials. That is it for this episode. I'll be back in due course with another one with some more England content and I hope you can join me for it. So until then, cheers. Cheers.